0: I was drinking way too much red, red raspberry leaf tea probably, like I was making like overnight tonics and like drinking them all day long for the last month. So my uterus had like 50 horsepower strength, I don't know what was going on, but like when my uterus started to push my baby down and out, it would almost knock the wind out of me.
1: Welcome to the Happy Home Podcast. Your source for positive, natural childbirth stories in your community of support, education, and encouragement in all things home birth and motherhood. Is it really possible to have a beautiful, ideal home birth with your first baby? Hey there, happy home birthers, and welcome to episode 102 of the Happy Home Birth Podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Fusco, and we are going to delve into this topic today with my guest, Robin Riley. Robin decided to have a home birth with her first baby, and in fact, she knew that this was the decision for her well before she conceived, years before she conceived. We're going to hear how this all played out, her conception story, her pregnancy, and then her pretty amazing home birth. So stay tuned, I know you are going to love it. Now before we jump in, I would like to remind you guys, Happy Home birth Academy, my childbirth education program for home birth mothers, has an affiliate program for midwives. So if you love your midwife, if you want to support her in having a sustainable practice, make sure you let her know about this opportunity. She can send her clients through Happy Home Birth Academy, whether it's a time that it's available to the public or not. And she can receive a 40% commission by doing that. This is amazing because we can help our midwives stay in practice longer and have longer, more thriving practices by giving them a way to create additional cushion for their practice. So All they have to do is go to myhappyhomebirth.com forward slash affiliate to learn more. If you are able to share this information with your midwife, you can just take a picture of a text message that you sent or an email that you sent telling them about that link, send it over to me at Caitlin at myhappyhomebirth.com with the subject line midwife message, and you will be entered into a drawing to win either a t shirt a Happy Home Birth Podcast t-shirt, or an Amazon gift card, whichever you choose, and that is happening monthly. So all you have to do is take that screenshot, send it there, K-A-T-E-L-Y-N, at myhappyhomebirth.com. And that is all I have for you as we get into this episode. Please remember that the opinions of my guest may not necessarily reflect my own and vice versa, and neither one of us are medical professionals, so continue to see your doctor, your midwife, or if you're like me and Robin, your chiropractor. Robin, thank you so much for coming on the happy home birth podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure to be here. Oh, I'm so excited to have you, you know, it's really neat to make connections with people on social media and then to kind of get to know them more. So I am thrilled to be having you on and sharing your home birth story as I've followed you for a while now. And I would love for you to start off by just kind of, um, introducing yourself to the listeners. Okay. Thanks. Um- So my name is
0: Robin Riley. Uh, I'm a stay-at-home mom and uh, I do a bit of online work as well. Um, It's not something that I do for um, money. It's not like a career. It's something that I do as a hobby. It's more of a passion project. And uh, I make content on YouTube, on Twitter, on Instagram, um, focusing on things related to my faith, to femininity, uh, to just being a mom, to the journey that I've taken to becoming a mom. And, yeah, it's just really fun. And that's probably how you met you you found me. <laughs> but I've also been listening to you for a really long time, too, because um I knew from the beginning that I wanted to have a home birth. So I've been a huge fan of your show um, for well over a year
1: now. Very cool. Yeah, it's actually kind of funny how it came about. I think one of my friends slash listeners, told me about you because you had made a blog or not a blog post, a YouTube video and had mm-hmm. mentioned happy home birth podcast and another one of the people that I have interviewed, a uh, sister birth. And so that's how I kind of got connected to you. So it's kind of funny. It's this nice little, little circle of relationship.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. I feel like our, our community is, is it's pretty small mm-hmm. and once you're in it for, you know, five or six months, you already know everybody. Right. <laughs>
1: Oh, that's fantastic. Well, great introduction and such a great place to start because you mentioned you knew that you wanted to have a home birth and and this was your first child. And Mm -hmm. as we, before we even began interviewing, you were talking to me about the fact that you have been preparing for this well before conception. So I would love to hear what you mean by that. How did this all start for you? Well, um, about my gosh, it was, I mean,
0: well over 10 years ago, I watched the documentary, The Business of Being Born, which is, I'm sure that like pretty much every one of your podcasts starts with the woman saying, I watched this documentary. And it was like the the thing that changed my mind about home birth and I'm no different. So I watched that documentary back when I was in university, um, back in probably 2008. And as soon as I saw that documentary, I just, it was like something in my heart told me, this is what's right for you. And I just knew that that's what I wanted if it was going to be within my grasp. Right. So, um, I guess, (laughs) I mean, in terms of preparing for the home birth, I mean, it, it, I mean, I had to find the right man. Right. That was, that was probably the hardest, the hardest hurdle to overcome. I would have had my baby much sooner had I met my husband sooner in life, but that wasn't the path that um, God had for me. So I had to, uh, wait a long time until I met my husband. And when I met my husband, he had no idea that home birth was even a thing. So I said, okay, let's 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 get the movie on the go. Let's watch the documentary. <laughs> we watched the documentary together and he was sold immediately. He he thought that it was definitely the best option for us. And I was so thankful to not have to do any, you know, extreme convincing of him mm-hmm. to, to, to be on board with it. So that was that was really amazing. Um, and I guess the funny thing about my husband and I is that we, when we met each other, we had just um, we had just come out of maybe two years, a pair of us, we've been single for a while, um, out of like really long-term relationships that were unhappy. And so we were in our early 30s and we both were very serious about wanting to start our families. And right from the get-go, we were like, okay, so we're going to have a year of courtship if we're still in love at the end of the year, we're going to get married and then we're going to have babies straight away. So we were very sort of pragmatic about our family planning. Uh, and we just didn't want to waste any time. You know, we felt like we had kind of wasted our 20s by making silly mistakes and choosing the wrong sorts of people. And we didn't want that to happen again. So thankfully, we were the right people for each other. Mm-hmm. And for that whole year of courtship, I mean, I was, I so I used to be a smoker. I quit smoking. Um, I started to eat a high fat, high protein diet, which I had read from numerous sources was um, is like it's the best thing for your fertility. Mm-hmm. Um, I sort of began to um, chart my periods with the app. I think it's called Clue. Yeah, Clue. Mm-hmm. Uh, And that was super, super helpful, uh, just sort of giving me peace of mind that, you know, I had a regular cycle. I could sort of count on my ovulation period being for, you know, in a very specific window. Um, And I started taking supplements. So I started taking, I started taking like vitamin D and magnesium and iodine and um, a bunch of different things that I think. I was probably deficient in from being kind of a reckless youth for, for 10 years. Um, and, uh, all those things just really brought me into a state of health and like physically and mentally and spiritually. Um, and it just made me feel like I was more prepared, um, going into trying to conceive. Um, because I think on some level, because I was in my, my, my early thirties and I had kind of really wanted to have started my, my, my family earlier, I had this kind of fear that it was going to take a really long time for me. Cause you never know, right? You never know how long it's going to take for you. A healthy woman can take like a year, um, sometimes. And I was like, I am out of time limit here. I don't have time to waste. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, all those things kind of like eased my mind. And, um, once, once we were married, then I started taking my prenatals, um, like immediately. (laughs) I was like, the day after I was married, I started taking prenatals. <laughs> it's time. Yeah, exactly. So I, mean, I think that kind of, I think that kind of covers majority of the things that I was doing leading up to trying to
1: conceive. I love hearing this preparation for, for conception. It's something that, and I know a lot of listeners know this, I love the Weston A. Price Foundation. And yes. that's something that they stress how, you know, traditionally there was a, a massive emphasis on preparation for conception and mm-hmm. in our modern era that's not really considered as much and and i actually i mean myself i'm a great example i my husband and i got pregnant before planning on it. And so I Amazing. felt like I really lost, I felt like I kind of lost that preparation window. Um, so we did a much better job with our second, but you know, it's, um, it's, it's such a lovely thing to be able to hear that that was part of your story. You were able to, to really pre- prepare and put physical and mental thought into this conception process.
0: Yeah. I mean, my mom thought I was being very neurotic because she's <laughs> like from an older generation and she's like, you're really thinking about this way too much. It's not that big of a deal. Like you're just going to have a baby. And I'm like, no, you don't understand. And <laughs> this hey, is like iodine. my life's goal. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Iodine is, I feel like so many people don't realize how important iodine is and how, totally. how many of us are lacking it. But I think that it's like 15 to 20 IQ points. If you have a lack in iodine, it can, it can cause a lack of 15 to 20 IQ points. Kind of crazy. It's huge.
0: Okay. Yeah, it's totally huge. And you never hear about it. Um, like right. I and I've heard that I've heard similar things about um omega-3s. Mm-hmm. That was something that I also started taking um like long before I even started to uh try to conceive. And then when I was trying to conceive, I upped my dose. And when I was actually pregnant, I upped my dose again and started eating fish eggs. Um yeah. just oh, to like yeah. make make sure that I was getting like potent, really um um bioavailable omega-3s uh, for that very reason. Um so, yeah, I, 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 some people might hear this and be like, wow, she's really neurotic. But I feel like personally, it set me up
1: for like the amazing journey that i had to motherhood oh i love that and you know preparation in the beginning is very helpful for the postpartum phase which i feel massively you know yeah once if your stores are set up for this then you know we're not so depleted once the baby's actually here so i am curious to hear how that kind of played out as well Um, Mm -hmm. but okay so so now you you guys get married and it's time Mm -hmm. it's time to conceive (laughs) what was that like (laughs)
0: So it was unfortunately like a little bit stressful Mm. because I was like, it's like, you know, I have been wanting this so badly and like now I'm finally there, you know, I've been preparing for a year, going to the gym four times a week, like, like, like literally for a full year thinking about how I'm eating every single day, three times a day in preparation for this moment. And now I'm like in the moment and it's almost like I didn't know what to do with myself. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So I, I. I, I was trying to listen to other uh, moms advice um, regarding this. And there are a few like mom vloggers and mom Instagrammers that I follow. And they had some really good tips and they were kind of like, you know, don't turn uh, your intimacy with your husband into a chore. You know, don't treat your husband like a sperm bank. Um, you know, you should be still having fun with this. Making a baby is a joyous event. It's something that you should be doing Um, you know, with a happy disposition, it shouldn't be, you know, this intense, like clinical medical procedure, (laughs) right? Which, which I mean, if I hadn't heard that, I may have done that. And I'm Mm -hmm. really happy that I didn't. Um, But I was, I was still obviously um, looking at my clue app, which I had about six months, six, six or seven months, I think of data. Mm -hmm. So I had a pretty good idea of how long my cycle was and where my ovulation window was. The first month went by and nothing happened. So I was like, oh no, despair, like totally mm-hmm. spiral. I'm infertile. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, you know, it really, it really, um, I, that that reality like really hit me like a, like a brick wall that maybe I'm infertile. Maybe this isn't going to happen. Maybe all this preparation is going to be in vain. My husband's going to leave me because he wants kids and I just totally mm. spiraled. Um, and now- the, the reason why I got through that. And I think that I didn't actually turn into such a huge speed bump for me was because at that moment I was like, okay, I need to turn to my faith. I need to turn towards God right now. A lot of this, no matter how much I prepare is completely out of my control. Right. And that's, that's a, that's something that I've always believed that, you know, every baby's a miracle and every baby comes on God's time, not yours. Right. So It was that moment where, you know, I had, I had a bit of like a Hail Hail Mary moment where I like, it was in the middle of the day, at the end of the cycle, I started my period and I just got down on my knees and I cried and I prayed and I said, you know what? I've done everything that I can do. I have, I've done, I've done my due diligence. I want this baby more than anything in the world. So now I'm, I'm going to pray for that and I'm going to hand it over to you, Lord. And that's what I did and it was it was really like this huge weight was lifted off my shoulders because it was like there there really isn't anything that i can do i can't force this to happen right and so that was where where my faith came in and the following month we got pregnant so i think the lack of stress <laughs> the lack of anxiety um and you know handing it over to god was essential in me having like Not like a, like, you know, a a very despair or anxious or neurotic type of experience with my trying to conceive because my personality is a little bit anxious and neurotic. Right.
1: Right. Yeah. Just a natural inclination to that. No, it totally makes sense. Yeah. Okay. So, so month two, you conceive, what did you do once you found out you were pregnant? So... (laughs) So we were living in
0: um, Brussels, Belgium at the time, me and my husband. Uh, My husband uh, was working in the city and uh, we had been wanting to get out of the city for a really, really long time because we were like, we love this city. It's great for lots of, um, you know, childless couple reasons, but it's not ideal for starting a family. So we really wanted to get out of there. And we really, I really wanted to go back to Canada because that's where I'm from. And he was on board. He was more than more than happy to come back to Canada because um, he just he likes Canada, and um, I was really thankful for that. So he had been looking for jobs uh, to try and get us to Canada without you know having to move without having a stable source of income. And so the weekend that I found out that I was pregnant, he was actually in Canada um, doing an interview. Wow. <laughs> Yeah. So I, I was alone in, in Belgium and I, um, I, I remember just feeling like uh, I had this feeling like maybe I'm pregnant. I just, I, I wasn't really sure. I didn't have any super strong or obvious symptoms, but I just felt like maybe this is it. Like I kind of feel weird. I kind of feel different. Uh, and like, oh, wouldn't it just be so ironic that it would happen when he's not here? Like the first time we've been apart from each other in over a year. Um, And I started to get like cold chills, almost like I was sick and uh, my, my breast kind of hurt a little bit. um, And I just felt like weird and the cold chills just wouldn't go away. So I got in the tub and um, it was just trying to relax. And I said to myself, I'm not going to test tonight. Like I'm not doing it. I'm just going to relax. I'm just going to like, bide my time and I'll test in the morning because I knew that it's better to test in the morning because you have like you have like a better chance of it being positive. I can't remember what the thing it's, is even. The, Why yeah,
1: the, the, in in the urine? It's just more concentrated first thing in the morning, so right. it's more likely to show up that it's positive if you are pregnant. There you go. That's
0: it. So I knew I knew that. So I was like, I'm not going to do this tonight. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it was really tough to be honest. Um, and to just distract myself from what I think were kind of obvious symptoms that I. I was I was pregnant I was just like watching YouTube videos of people giving birth (laughs) and like and like eating like in a a really intense amount I was really hungry that night too I think I ate like five chicken drumsticks or something and a bunch of potatoes (laughs) Uh, and I woke up that next morning like at probably six o'clock in the morning um and I I had two tests in the house and I had one of one that was like, um, the line, the line test and another one that was a electronic, like a clear blue. So I, um, I was like half asleep. I got my little cup of pee and did my first dip. And I swear to God, within 10 seconds, it was positive. <laughs> um, and I kept like looking at it, like, I couldn't believe that it was, that it, that it was saying that I was pregnant. I kept checking the instructions like over and over again and like bursting into tears and then checking the instructions just like trying to like make, like let it sink in. Mm-hmm. You're actually pregnant. Like it, it, it's, it's happened. So then I was like, okay, well, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna believe it until I see the clear blue, which I know <laughs> is something that a lot of women, that for some reason we trust the electronic that actually says, yes, okay, you're pregnant. You can chill out now. <laughs> right. I did the clear blue and it said I was two to three weeks pregnant within a very short amount of time as well. So I was like, amazing, I'm pregnant. And um, then I was like, okay, so what am I going to do? Am I going to like wait two or three days Hmm. to tell my husband in person? Or am I going to tell him on the phone and kind of like not get to have that special moment with him? So I am terrible at keeping surprises, but this one time I was like, I can't. Tell him over the phone. Like that sucks. That's like a horrible. That's not what I want. So I, I think the first thing I did was I went to the Italian restaurant across the street and I ordered like a huge pizza for myself to celebrate, like (laughs) a a sparkling water. (laughs) Uh, And then I went to the toy store and I got like a little teddy bear and like a little onesie and a little like gift box, and I put it all in the box with my um my positive test. And with a little card that was like, you're going to be a dad, congratulations. And then I set it on the table until he got back. And when he got back, he was delirious from like 12, 20 hours of traveling. Ugh. And he opened up the box and he was like, can the look on his face was like confused and annoyed. He was like, <laughs> why, like why are you like, what, like, like, I don't need a, like he thought it was a present for him for like being. Doing a good job with the interview. And he's like, Why are you wasting money? Like, we don't, I don't need this. I like, don't no, need read, read it. I already <laughs> <Yeah>. have one. <laughs> exactly. And then when I was like, uh, I'm pregnant, and he immediately was just like overjoyed, gave me a big hug, and I got to have that
1: special moment. So it was, mm-hmm. was lovely. Wow. Congratulations on that. That is very impressive that you're able to keep it because another from someone else who has a very hard time. Keeping exciting news a secret. <laughs> <laughs> on you. Like I was really proud of myself for with my second, when I found out I was pregnant with my second, I had woken up at like five in the morning and I was like, well, I've got to pee on this right now. Like I have to, I have to know Yeah. So I did. And then I found out I was pregnant and I felt like the two and a half hours that I was waiting for my husband to wake up was like, Oh, it was a really big deal that I waited for him to wake up as opposed to just like shaking him awake. So. Oh, I yeah. get it. It's uh, excruciating. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. So you are pregnant. Your husband comes home from this interview what was the what was your pregnancy experience like
0: so the first trimester as soon as i obviously found out i was pregnant then i started to um well i I kept going to the gym i kept up with my my regular um diet my fertility diet as i was calling it at the time um my supplementation um slightly changed uh to sort of compensate for the fact that i had a little growing baby inside me uh and, and within about two weeks after i found out that I was pregnant, um, my husband got a job offer. So we were like, okay, so now we have to find a way to move from Belgium to Northern Canada, which was where he got a job. Um, I was very stressed out by this fact. So he was kind of like, you do your baby thing. I'm going to deal with the move and the work and everything. And he was just like, do not think about that. Like, just we're we're gonna be fine. It's gonna be okay. Yeah, it's gonna be a bit stressful, but we're gonna figure it out and just focus on your baby stuff. Mm-hmm. So that's what I did. I started Googling immediately resources for home birth and stuff. And of course, I found your podcast. So that was like my my daily ritual was um walking to the gym while listening to a happy home birth podcast. And then I would do my workout and on the back, I, way back, I would either finish that podcast or I would listen to one of the birth hour mm. podcasts. So I just became fully obsessed with listening to birth stories every day. I was listening to at least one. Um, and I honestly think that that doing that, um, especially in the first trimester when there was like all of this upheaval in our lives, you know, like a move in the best of times is stressful a move to a different country while you're in your first trimester. It's like, it's kind of a nightmare situation, but I kept trying to stay positive about the fact and stay grateful about the fact that I was going to get to go home. I was going to get to have my first child in Canada, which is what I wanted. But those birth stories were just, it was just essential because it was kind of like an escapism from, um, my, my current situation and my circumstances, which were really, they were really intense. And it was also just really cool to listen to other women that like the, the circumstances of their birth, because every birth has its own like element of drama in it, right. I think. Mm-hmm. And I was just always kind of like, you know, well, this is just, these are the cards that I've been dealt. You know, we all have our own stories and this is, this is just mine. So the first trimester was, I was really tired. I had a lot of food aversions. Um, no nausea, didn't have nausea once the entire pregnancy, but I was like turned off by fish, which was very depressing because I was like, I need my omega threes. I need the protein. And so I, I tried to force myself a few times, but I just couldn't do it. So I just upped my supplementation. Um, even eggs became Ugh. really difficult for me to get down, which Isn't sucked so because <laughs> it is because it's like, yeah. this is the one time I should be eating eggs. Mm-hmm. Like, like they're going out of style. So I would force myself
1: (laughs) with my first. Is it it really? Oh, I was so so upset. (laughs) so upset. So annoying.
0: So yeah, I just, I I mean, I would, because it was really more of an aversion than it was nausea, which I'm very thankful for. But like, I would make the eggs be like, kind of almost gagging while I was making them. And then I would force myself to take my first bite. And I would be like, oh, actually not that bad. It's okay. And I would just force myself to eat them and then be done with it. Um, but yeah, so we packed up all of our bags, uh, and our, all of our boxes, which was really stressful. I had my, my birthday, um, the day before we left the city and, uh, my husband got us like a really beautiful hotel on a really nice high building. And we got to sort of, you know, eat hotel food and relax and t- take in the view of the city one last time and sort of just sort of say our goodbye. And then we got on the plane and we left we left for good and landed in northern Canada. Uh, in I think it was uh, the end of the end of September, early October. So um, just before the winter set in, because winter comes early here. And I was in my second trimester within a few weeks of being here.
1: Wow. Okay. And so now you're in your second trimester. You're reacclimating to mm-hmm. to Canada. What was that? process? Like, you know, what was that move and trying to get into your new community, like as being pregnant? So it was,
0: it was kind of tough at first. Um, but it was also awesome in other ways, like living in, in, uh, Brussels, you can get by speaking only English, but English is obviously not the main language that people speak there. So my doctors in my first trimester, like the English wasn't their first language. Um, And there was kind of like a distance between me and them because I knew they weren't going to be my doctor or my healthcare provider for the whole thing. It was kind of like a necessary evil. And so the first thing on my list of things to do when I got to Canada was to find a midwife (laughs) and, I was like kind of nervous that because like I'm very in a very isolated place here um, where I live, and I was kind of worried that I wasn't going to be able to find a midwife at all, mm. um, certainly not like a, a home birth midwife. So I was just like really nervous about that. Um, just trying to get all of my healthcare and my prenatal care sorted was like it was just the first thing on my mind. More, it was top priority more so than anything else. Um, and i did a quick google search i think maybe the third or fourth day that i landed here in canada and there was one lady that popped up in the community and she lived about a half hour outside of town like kind of in this sort of homestead um area um in the middle of, like really in the middle of nowhere if i think my community's in the middle of nowhere her her house is really out there it's just nothing but wilderness wow and so i called her and i was like can you can you take on another client? Are you available to possibly be my midwife? And she's like, well, we'll have an interview and we'll have like a little conversation. I'll stop by and we'll see if you will, you will be right for each other. Um, and she did. And, uh, so she, we kind of, we did an interview, like she sort of got my medical history and, um, she wanted to hear about who I was and, There was like this part of me that didn't want to say that I was a Christian and I don't know why that was. I think sometimes I just get scared to tell people that I'm a Christian because I'm afraid they're going to judge me or they're not going to understand or they're going to think I'm like, I don't know. It's just a silly thing. And I was just, I was like, you know what? I need to tell her this. This is a huge part of who I am. And birth is something that is steeped in faith for me. So I'm not going to be able to go through this whole process without telling her I'm a Christian. Right. And I didn't assume that she was a Christian, um, but I said that to her. And as soon as I said that to her, her, her face lit up and she was like, me too. I'm a Christian as well. So I was just like, this is the lady. Like, what are the chances that the one, the one lady who is in my town who offers home birth um, is also like on my wavelength and is going to be able to offer me that spiritual element of care that I really feel like I need, you know, in this process. So within that just one interview I was just like please be my midwife (laughs) please and she's like yeah okay of course and so
1: well hey mama let me interrupt myself and my guest for a moment to speak directly to you and share with you today's sponsor are you pregnant and planning a home birth well you have got to get inside of happy home birth academy What's Happy Homebirth Academy? Oh, no biggie. It's just the premier childbirth education program created specifically for homebirth mothers. It's only mm, exactly what you need to walk into your birthing time feeling confident, prepared, and at peace. Inside of Happy Homebirth Academy, we delve into the seven phases of preparation everything from preparing your mind your coping techniques preparing your partner your food for postpartum and more i have taken all of the guesswork out of what you need to know to give birth on your turf and with unshakable confidence at that childbirth education that's home birth specific how exciting is that you ready Happy Home Birth Academy will be available to the public in a few short weeks. So join the waitlist and be sure not to miss out by heading to myhappyhomebirth.com forward slash waitlist. All right, back to the episode.
0: That was huge. That was really huge for me. And she's been a midwife for over 20 years. She has six kids of her own, which she birthed at home. She's a total badass. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I had her on my team, I like just felt like this is exactly the way that it's supposed to be. Like, if I hadn't, if my husband hadn't gotten this job, if I didn't end up in this little tiny town in the middle of nowhere, I wouldn't have her. And she is exactly what I needed to feel like this is is the way that it was supposed to be, you know? So that was a huge blessing. And she sort of put me in contact with other moms, with um, a chiropractor, with a, um, not a is it a physiotherapist like a like a pelvic floor mm-hmm. physiotherapist? She put me in touch with that. She does she does acupuncture. She does like essential oils, the whole thing, you know. So it was like literally my dream midwife yeah. was the only option available to me. I couldn't have I couldn't have asked for a better um and a better care provider.
1: That is amazing. Yes, mm-hmm. I, I love hearing how it all just perfectly, shockingly perfectly, came together. And yeah. This is so she's she's put you in contact with these other care providers with this kind mm-hmm. of team. What was the what was the rest of your pregnancy like? Integrating all of that. So I think it wasn't really until the end of the second trimester
0: before I really started to feel like I needed to avail of their services. Like my pregnancy was just like a dream pregnancy. I had no complications. Um, I didn't want to do the what's it called? The, um, the diabetes yeah. test. yeah I yeah. didn't, I didn't want to do that. And my midwife was like, there's like, based on my assessment of you, there's no reason for me to be like, you have to do this. You have to go to the doctor and do this. Um, I was doing tandem care with, um, a OBGYN just in case I needed to be transferred, right? Because I wanted to be prepared in the event that there was a complication during labor. And so um, if I had to be transferred, it wouldn't be the first time that I was meeting these people. Right. So she wanted my my OBGYN wanted me to do the diabetes test, but she was not pushy. And I was very thankful for that. She wasn't pushing on anything really. She was like, mm-hmm. I would recommend you do this. And then that was it. <laughs> wow. She didn't, she didn't make me feel guilty about not wanting to do it or like be like, when, when are we setting the appointment? Nothing like that. So I was mm-hmm. very, very, very thankful for that. Um, and yeah, so like my, my, my pregnancy pr- progressed beautifully and I had no trouble with anything. I was just, you know, on cloud nine. Until kind of the beginning of the third trimester, and that's when I started to get tons of pelvic pain. Mm. Um, baby boy was low, and I kind of felt like every single time I would take a step, I was getting like kicked in the pubic bone. Mm, ouch. It was like this bruising kind of like a bruisy, a bruising pain. Um, and so the chiropractor totally sorted me out uh, with that pain. I started going to her weekly, and my pelvic floor physiotherapist, um, we started off doing classes uh, in person as a group, but then as we got closer to the COVID situation, um, that, that care, especially my postpartum care with her could change and had to be done over, um, like over Facebook or over Skype, which was unfortunate, but she was really good too. Um, and she taught me, um, some, some techniques for like, uh, how to know how my body was going to react. Like she did some pelvic floor examinations of me Mm -hmm. and um, she would say like, okay, you're feeling tight here. Um, Can you, can you relax this part of your body to the left side or whatever? And um, maybe I wouldn't be able to. And she would just, uh, she would say something like, think about the baby's head descending. And that would work for me. It was like a powerful visualization for me. And then that part of me would relax. So she like, she she helped me sort of get more in tune with the parts of my body that were specific to me, right? Like I had no trouble with um, doing Kegels or like having a strong pelvic floor, but she was a little bit concerned maybe that it was too strong. Yes. Maybe I was going to be too tight in some areas. So she taught me how to relax and that was super helpful as well.
1: Mm-hmm. That's such a good point too. I think a, a lot of, a lot of us don't realize that many of us are walking around with a clenched pelvic floor and totally you know, that tightness is is not, you know, it's not the helpful kind of strong. It's like, oof, we need to relax that a little bit. Yes.
0: And then also I think finally the last thing that I did that was really helpful was I used the Epino uh, which is something that actually my husband bought for me before we left Europe. He, <clears throat> he found it online. Um, and for anyone who doesn't know about it, who may be listening, it's like a, a sort of a silicone balloon device that you can um, sort of insert into your vagina and then sort of inflate gently um to um, practice kegels like you sort of sort of clench against the balloon and then okay. the closer you are to labor like my midwife did a epino session with me maybe a week before I went into labor and she she sort of inserted it inflated it until I was uncomfortable mm-hmm. and then I practiced pushing and I pushed it out yeah. wow. um which was super cool and it kind of just gave me, just like it, it was obviously nothing like giving birth, right. but it just sort of—I I don't know—I just feel like it gave me that extra little bit of confidence that my tissues would stretch. I would be able to do this. I've had a little bit of practice with a pushing sensation, um, and I—I f- I, I don't know exactly what the statistics are, but I—I I feel like I remember saying that women who use Epino, this device, um, they have a much uh, less chance of tearing. German
1: that is labor.
0: fascinating. So mm-hmm. is it E-P-I-N-O? Yeah. So it's supposed to be like a, a an abbreviation on like no episiotomy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> gotcha. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is fascinating. Yeah. I've never heard of that before and I will definitely add it to the show notes it, or are we able to get it over you here? You can, you
0: can, you can get it in Canada now. Um, It's becoming more popular um, but just like be forewarned, it is a pricey device for what wow. it is. Like it's a piece of plastic with a, with a pump and a mm-hmm. silicone balloon, and it's not cheap, gotcha. but I'm still happy that I had it. You know, cool. I, I still feel like it was worth it.
1: Nice. Okay. That's great. That is really interesting. Yes. I've never heard anyone mention that before. So thank you. Very cool. No problem. Okay. So it seems like we are about at labor time, right? Yeah. Is- yeah. Is it before that, or is, is, it, is it time for us to hear this birth story?
0: Yeah. I think, I think we cover about everything.
1: Yeah. So let, yeah, let us know what was it like as you were kind of leading up to labor, what were you experiencing and how did you know, okay, this is kind of happening.
0: So, um, my first contraction happened on the morning of March 14th and, um, it was just, it was just kind of like a period cramp, you know, like it, It didn't feel like a contraction to me it felt like a very mild period cramp but i was just kind of like that feels like it must be a contraction because i haven't felt anything like that for my entire pregnancy and i'm four days away from my due date Mm -hmm. um so i was just sort of lying in bed feeling super tired and cozy and warm in my bed and just sort of um just sort of laid real still and just went inward and just was trying to observe to see if it would happen again um about twenty minutes passed and it happened again. and I was like, this is it. I'm in the early stages of labor. amazing. um but my husband was actually he was gone for the day because uh he was doing like a firearms certification like like cl- class or something, which he had scheduled for you know months in advance. Right. so <laughs> i I couldn't be like, you have. Well, I could have I could have forced him to stay home but I I was like this is fine I'm not going to call him home he'll be home for lunch anyways um and I'll be able to tell him I'm in labor and I also felt like my contractions they were so mild and so far apart and so irregular, I was like, I'm probably going to be in labor for 24 to 48 hours. Like, I bet this is going to be like a long, lovely labor. And I'm going to have all the time in the world to prepare myself and get everything in the way that I want it to be. <laughs> not so. <laughs> but um, so I was just kind of uh, distracting myself, trying not to get too excited. I let my midwife know I was having mild contractions. And um, I think both me and her, we were just kind of like, this baby's not coming anytime soon. So we'll just monitor the situation um, from a, a calm and skeptical disposition. <laughs> right. <laughs> um my uh my husband actually also that that same day it was such a such a funny thing that um he had arranged it for this day, but we had we had talked about it and we really wanted to renew our vows before the baby came, just as like a little, I don't know, a, like a little goodbye to us being. like a a couple without kids and to just sort of reestablish our devotion to each other before we became parents and we had a a local man coming by that later that day um to renew our vows for us and so um he came back from the firearms thing and as soon as he got to the door I just like burst into tears because I think I was I was telling myself, oh, he doesn't need to be here. I'm totally fine with myself. This isn't a big deal. And then when he came through the door, I was like, oh my God, I'm so happy he's back. Like, thank God he's here. I don't want to do this alone anymore. Um, And even then, at the end of the day, my contractions were probably still 20 to 20 minutes to 30 minutes apart um but they had gotten stronger they were like kind of like it was kind of like a Braxton Hicks plus contraction um period period cramp at that point in the day so um about a half hour after my husband came home the gentleman came by to do like the renewal of our vows and I was in labor for that (laughs) which was really funny and interesting. And it's just kind of like a nice little part of our story that, mm-hmm. um, you know, he, he brought me uh, red carnations and I was holding red carnations and this like gigantic muumuu style <laughs> dress. Um, I had my hair done as best I could and some makeup on because I was one of those, I'm I, women do that sometimes when they go into labor, they're like, okay, I need to like put my face on. <laughs> I did that. Um, and we, we, we renewed our vows and it was just, it was just beautiful. I'm just really, really thankful that we were able to do that before the baby came and the baby was on his way at that point. So. Like, like right before. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. So, um, about 7 PM at that point, um, my contractions really started to get uncomfortable, but they still weren't super consistent. It was like, I'd be like five minutes in between them and then 10 minutes in between them and then 20 minutes in between them and five minutes again. Um, so I decided to get in the bathtub uh, because I was like, oh, I don't want to set up the the pool just yet. It still seems a bit early. You know, I don't want to have to be like draining it and then refilling it if it gets cold. So I just got in the tub um, and I put on one of my favorite albums and I was just kind of like, grooving to the music by candlelight and just sort of humming and being like, Oh, this is great. Like, this is fun. Even like, I'm really enjoying this. I don't need any help. I can do this by myself. Like (laughs) I was like, so naive at that point. I, I didn't know what I was in for. I don't think. Um, but I was just enjoying it. Just like being really excited. I, at no point was I afraid or nervous or scared. Um, About the fact that I was in labor, I was like, "I'm in labor. I'm gonna rock this. This is like this is what I was born to do. It's gonna be awesome." And I was just like, for the whole first part of it, I was just like partying and like listening to music and enjoying myself. Um, Eventually, the water was like it just kind of got too cold, Um, and that was, and I think it was probably around midnight uh, that I I got out of the tub. And as soon as I got out of the tub, it was like, bam my contractions were like every five to seven to 10 minutes Mm. apart um, lasting for 30 to 40 seconds each. Um, And I was like, Oh, um, okay. This is way more intense than I thought it was going to be all of a sudden because up until that point I would have like sometimes 20 minutes in between a contraction. So I really thought that, you know, it wasn't going to just like come on super strong and hard like that. And then I was kind of like, Oh gosh, I don't have any food prepared. Um, what if my husband or the midwife gets hungry? Um, I should cook a gigantic tray of chicken and rice and vegetables. Midnight. <laughs> so I, ugh, I mean, I don't know if that was like a good intuitive decision or not, but I think it like being on my feet and walking back walking back and forth in the kitchen and sort of like kind of doing modified squats while I was putting the tray in the oven and stuff, I think it helped progress my labor along and it just was distracting, which right. was great. Um, but whenever I would get a contraction at that point at midnight, I would have to sort of fall to my knees um, and elbows on the floor and just like breathe deeply through it. So I knew things were progressing at that point. Um, after I finished cooking all the food... I called my midwife again and I was like, this is, this is amping up. Like stuff is happening. It's like def- my, my, my contractions are becoming more consistent and they're definitely more intense. Um, and you know, I, I, I can still talk and breathe through it and I can still do the pain management tricks that I had learned. Um, but I just felt like I needed to tell her. Um, and she was, she asked if my bloody show had happened or my mucus plug had come out. Um, and it hadn't yet, but it did like a half an hour after that. Um, and she was just kind of like, um, call me, like try and get some sleep. That's what she said. She try and get some sleep, try and see if you can rest in between the contractions, lie down, get cozy. Um, and just, you know, call me if things get more intense. Uh, and I want to hear you, um, go through a contraction. Um, and so we did that. And um, the fact that she wasn't alarmed kind of kept me calm. So I was like, okay, great. Um, I'll just go lie down. So me and my husband went and lied down and he was exhausted from, um, I think he had had a rough night the earlier, uh, like the previous night and then was up early for the the gun training all day. And so he was just exhausted and he sleeps like a log. So he was laying there next to me and I was kind of like squeezing his hand like so tightly and he wasn't even waking up. (laughs) Um, but I was sort of breathing through the, breathing through the contractions. And sometimes I would go into, um, like downward dog just to kind of like take the pressure off my cervix because it really felt very intense, um, by 2am. Um, and I was just, you know, very much going into labor land at that point, I think, because things started to feel hazy. Things started to feel kind of like fuzzy and warm in between the contractions. Um, the contractions were definitely like every five minutes, um, and they were lasting for a minute uh, between two and four a.m. And I felt paralyzed. Like I felt, I felt like I couldn't. I was laying on my side. In bed, and I felt like the thought of having to get up and move was the worst. i like I just couldn't even comprehend what that would be like right. to have to get up. And I know some women like they love like getting up and swaying and bouncing. And um, that wasn't me. I just needed to be I just wanted to be as still as mm-hmm. possible and just really, really focusing on getting to that thirty second mark because I knew if I could just get to thirty seconds, it would be okay. And I would be able to. Um, like sort of ride the contraction out again, right? Um, so I did that for two more hours until around four o'clock in the morning. And uh, I had this I had this contraction that just like rocked my world. <laughs> like I wasn't able, I feel like I like almost like just lost myself in the contraction because it was so intense. and it was the first time that I felt my uterus push. And I was like, oh God, what what was that? You know, wow. I did not expect to, to to feel a pushing sensation that was out of my control that early on. Because as far as I was concerned, I was only really, I'd only been in active labor properly for about five hours, four hours. Um, so as soon as that happened, I like shook my husband. I was like, I need the midwife, call the midwife immediately. Because she was like 30, 30 minutes outside of town. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, up until that point, you know, I hadn't been checked. I hadn't had any poking or prodding. I was very um, lucky to have been able to just labor on my own in my own little cozy space. Um, and I'm really proud that I was able to get through that on my own without needing the support of, of like pretty much anyone else. And that, that's not me trying to say that, like, oh, if you need support that's not something you should be proud of. Like if you prepare and you're like, I need support and then you get support, be proud of that. But Mm -hmm. for me, my experience was that I didn't need that and I was able to sort of do it on my own. And up until that point, um, it was just me and the baby just like (laughs) rocking our ways through, through the labor. So, um, she, my, my midwife, we got her on the phone she listened to me go through a contraction and she's like, I will be there as fast as possible. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't think she was, she wasn't expecting me to go that fast um, mm-hmm. as a first time mom. Um, and so she, uh, that, that 30 minutes that took her to get there, I like, I kind of like feel like I lost, I didn't lose consciousness, but I was not present. Mm-hmm. Um, I lost track of time. I, I remember it could just keep repeating to myself. I just need it's, it's just 30 minutes. If I can make it 30 minutes, like everything's going to be fine. As soon as she's here, everything's going to be fine. And so I was just kind of doing like um, like a self-soothing, I guess, on myself to, to get me through that 30 minutes until my midwife came and she came. And she like sort of burst through my bedroom door, got mm-hmm. down onto her knees and was like, can I check you? And I was like, yes, please, please check me. I need to know what the, what the heck is going on here. <laughs> And so she checked me and I was nine centimeters with a small cervical lip, ah. which was amazing. I was like, thank you, God. Because <laughs> I just, I mean, if I had gone through that, like that intense, like um, like crazy labor for like two hours and then feeling pushy and then like um, being told that I was only five centimeters that would have crushed me I think it really would have crushed me and I really understand why women feel super defeated when they get checked and it's not what they want It's not what they not where they think they should be and I and it makes me totally understand why women are just like do not check me do not touch me I don't need that information you know Mm -hmm. because just the the elation that I felt um when, when I was checked near the end if that if I hadn't gotten that. I think it would have really thrown off my labor. I think it really would have thrown off my groove and it would have really made me feel just kind of despair, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So I was just very thankful and really happy uh, to be at nine centimeters. Um, And uh, so at that point, uh, my midwife said, okay, you relax here in the bed. We're going to get the tub set up as fast as possible and um, get the room all ready for you. So uh, I'd have no idea how long that took, but they they did. I think they did it pretty quickly. Um, and uh, unfortunately, because I had had like a big bath not that not that long um, before, like the the water wasn't as hot as I would have liked to be because I had drained the tank, <laughs> the hot water tank. But it was warm enough. It was warm enough to be comfortable. Um, and they sort of walked me out, like they had me under each arm. My husband had me under one arm and my midwife had me on the under under the other. And I walked out into the living room and it was like like my like everything was just so hazy and we had the twinkle lights settled set, set up and we had dim, warm lighting. And it was just so cozy. And I remember I just like threw off my robe and I glided into that pool and it was like, heaven. It was just the best feeling ever. <laughs> I I really wish, like the, the next time I have a baby, um, God willing, if I, if I get blessed with another child, uh, I will be setting up that pool way earlier. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe that during all that time, I think it was because I felt so paralyzed. Mm-hmm. You know, like if I hadn't felt like I had to just stay super still where I was to get through the contractions, I maybe would have thought, Oh, maybe getting in the pool would be kind of a relief right now. Or if I had called my midwife to come sooner, maybe she would have suggested it. But because I was doing it all on my own first time around, um, I didn't think of that. So I guess may- maybe that even made getting in the water feel even that much more amazing because I had put it off.
1: <laughs> right? Yeah, labor brain is fascinating like that. Like I, even you know, I, I had a water birth with my first and mm-hmm. loved. I mean, yes, that moment I can just. As you're speaking about it, I can feel it. And, but when I was in labor with my second, it's like, all of that was kind of forgotten. And my husband kept saying like, don't you want to get in the birth pool now? And I was like, no, I don't think so. And he's like, I really think you do. Like, And then once I got in, I was like, oh yeah, I did want to, but like in, for whatever reason, like in that labor brain, it's kind of hard to make decisions like that sometimes. Totally. Totally. It
0: really is. Um, I think like the next time round I will do things a little bit different. Mm -hmm. It's funny. Like when you, when you think back to your first birth and you're kind of like, why did I, why did I do that? (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so we, I finally got into the tub and it was amazing. Um, it was what the most amazing thing about getting into the tub for me was that my contractions stopped hurting. Mm -hmm. I didn't feel any pain like no period cramping pain, no cervical opening pain, no, no back like cuz I think I kind of had a bit of back labor. Mm-hmm. It's hard for me to say what it was. Um, because when I was lying down feeling paralyzed, I had this kind of like weird tingly feeling in my bones almost. I think he may have been descending into my pelvis at that point point. and I think maybe it was back labor a little bit, but I'm not I'm not totally sure, but all of that disappeared as soon as I got into the water and what I did feel alternatively was just like intense pressure and stretching, which I absolutely hated. Like I hated it. I don't know. I don't know if I hated it more or less, but I just definitely felt more awake. Like when I got into the pool, it was like I was still hazy, but I was more conscious because the pain had lifted away, you know? I hated so, it. <laughs> yeah. I hated it differently. I really did. Cause it it was scarier you know like it was scarier in a way that i felt like gosh my bottom is going to explode <laughs> like what um, how am i ever going to recover from this like this <laughs> and it also felt like um i kind of came to my senses a little bit in the water because i kept thinking um you know, all the, all the women that I've heard about in stories where they have these beautiful long labors, like their their flesh gets time to stretch and become malleable and those hormones loosen up the fibers of their body so that they can, you know, um, get their babies out without tearing. And I was really scared of tearing. I really didn't want to tear. Um like most women, I think most women that you talk to, they're like, I just really don't want to tear. Mm-hmm. Um, and even the women that you speak to, um, you know, who have torn, they're like, it's not really that, that big of a deal most of the time, but they still like would have preferred not yeah. to have had to happen. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I was like really scared. I was like, oh, gosh, I've only been in labor for like such a short amount of time. Like my body's not ready for this. Like I'm going to tear apart. The stretching sensation is making me freak out. Right. Right. So that was the first time that I actually started to feel like out of control because my uterus was, oh my God, like, I mean, I was drinking way too much red, red raspberry leaf tea probably. Like I was making like overnight tonics and like drinking them all day long for the last month. So my uterus had like 50 horsepower strength. I don't know what was going on, but like when my uterus started to push my baby down and out it would almost knock the wind out of me. Like it was so intense and I felt so out of control. Like I'm just going to get torn apart. That's what I kept thinking to myself. I'm going to get torn apart because I can't stop the pushing and it's so intense and the baby's just going to come out and my flesh isn't going to be ready for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just kind of pan- panicking. And, um, I, every single time that I would feel, um, my flesh start to stretch, I would tense and try to hold the baby in, which my midwife was like, That's really weird that you're doing that. <laughs> I've never seen a woman do that before. <laughs> um and because I was trying to hold the baby in because I was scared, my legs were cramping and I was getting these like horrible like Charlie horse pains in my thighs. So then my midwife would like jab her thumb into the bottom of my foot at where there was a pressure point and release the Charlie horse. It was like insanely cool she knew yes. exactly what to do um and um she was just kind of like you know we're gonna take our time with this like it's okay if you if you don't want to push with the contraction um then you don't have to it's fine um but you're you're gonna keep getting these charlie horses um <laughs> so at that point i knelt down on my elbows on the ledge of the pool and i just prayed for courage because i really felt like the labor was taking over and I had to have a moment of surrender in order for it to progress properly. And for me to just um, continue with the labor without having like a breakdown. (laughs) And I just, uh, I prayed for peace and I prayed to give birth to this baby with grace um, and for him to protect us both. Um, And the next contraction after I so when I after I had finished praying, my my midwife said, She's like, the Holy Spirit is here with us. It's mm-hmm. like, don't worry about that. The Holy Spirit is absolutely here with us right now. And that just it hearing her say that also just was very calming. And then the next contraction came on, super heavy and super strong. And I felt this huge pop, and it was my water breaking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, thank you, Jesus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, and at that point after my water broke, um, like my noises started to become like almost like choking, growl, growling, grunts, like breathless grunts. Like it was kind of scary. Like when I was hearing myself making these noises, um, it really felt like having the wind knocked out of me. And I knew the baby was coming at that point. Um, I felt my flesh start to sort of stretch and burn. I was like, this is the lake of fire or not the lake of fire. What is it? The ring of fire. Like, (laughs) fire. fire. (laughs) <laughs> um, and i was just terrified so i held back again got more cramps she used the pressure points released them and then so she she thought you know maybe if you go to the washroom and have a pee like we'll we'll just sort of take you out of this headspace of resisting the contractions and being afraid that you're going to tear. And we're just going to like mentally go to a different part of the house, physically go to a different part of the house, try to do something different, focus on something different, and then we'll come back. Mm -hmm. Um, so I went to the washroom, um, and she also felt like emptying my bladder would maybe help with the pressure um, that I was feeling. So I got in on the toilet. Um, and nothing happened. So she was like, well, maybe I should do a catheter. Um, so she got me to, um, sit on a squatting chair and she was preparing the catheter, uh, while I was sitting on the the squatting chair. And as I was on the squatting chair, I got another like insane contraction and the baby crowned. (gasps) And she was like, uh, okay, so we don't have time to do the catheter. We don't have time to do this anymore. The baby's coming. So she grabbed a mirror and tried to show me. But I was like, I don't want to see it. I don't want to see anything. <laughs> I, I know some women are like, they really want to see and they want to really know what's happening down there. But for some reason... I was just like, no, I don't want to see it. Do not show that to me. And I apologized to her afterwards because I felt like I was kind of rude the way that I had said it. But I was just like so aggressively like, no, do not show me what's going on down there. I do not want to see. My husband looked and he thought it was cool though. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So at that point we got back in the pool because we realized we had no time to be fiddling with catheters and stuff. Um, And I felt a huge contraction coming And it was, and I, you know how you feel contractions building before they hit you? Mm -hmm. I just like, uh, I can't, I can't describe it. It almost makes me want to cry thinking about it. It was like just this force of nature that was like a steam train coming straight towards me. Wow. And I closed my eyes and I let it wash over me. Um, and in the middle of that contraction, I just felt absolutely no pain. I almost felt numb. And I heard my my midwife say, There's the head. Mm-hmm. And I was like, What? Like, how did the head come out and I didn't feel it? Like, oh, what man. is going on? I don't like I was just so I was so out of it. I couldn't believe that the head had come out and I didn't even feel it. And if she hadn't said it, I wouldn't have known. And when I knew the head was out. In the, like, Because you know how sometimes contractions will push more than one time? In the same contraction, you'll get multiple pushes down. Um, th- another, another push started to happen from the top of my uterus. And I thought to myself, well, if the head's out and I didn't feel it, I was like, this ends now. This is it. And the only time that I said to myself, I will push with the contraction was that time. And the rest of his body came straight out.
1: Wow. <laughs> yeah. So that was all within that one contraction.
0: Yeah. Yeah. His head, his head and his body came out in the one contraction, but it was, it was like two, two separate pushes in the same 60 seconds, basically.
1: Wow. That's crazy. what What was that feeling? You have just pushed your baby out without even recognizing that the head was out initially. What, what are you thinking and feeling at this point?
0: I was in shock. I was just in total shock. Um, And when I think back to it, and I think back, like sort of looking at myself, like observing how I was acting, I feel like I was just, I don't, it's really hard to describe because I feel like if it had happened right now to me, I'd be crying and bawling and like praising God and like be so happy and just like, like overwhelming emotion. But it was like, it was like, I was just like a, a deer in headlights. I couldn't believe it. I just, and there wasn't a huge emotional reaction, which is what I was expecting to happen, but I was just super calm. As soon as the baby came out as well, um, he started crying. He was screaming. And my midwife was like, normally uh, water birth babies, like they, like they're not always, but normally they come out and they're just very calm and alert. And the transition via water is very uh, gentle for them, but she was like, your baby was crying and screaming before he broke the surface oh. of the water. <laughs> so there was like a kind of relief there with that. My midwife caught my baby and immediately handed it to, to me and he was just screaming. And I was just like looking at him and being like, he's breathing, he's pink, he's just perfect in every conceivable way. And I was just like, hi, I think I just said hi, like 50 <laughs> times. <laughs> Cause I was just like, so I just couldn't believe how fast it happened and I couldn't believe that I felt no pain during the pushing. And I couldn't believe that I felt, I didn't feel him actually come out except for when his body slid out, I felt that kind of like weird slithery feeling of his body <laughs> coming out, but that was it. Um, yeah. And I, I just held him real close and tried to keep him calm. And my midwife put a blanket over him to keep him warm. And we decided before uh, during my my birth preparation, my birth planning, that we would, um, I can't remember what it's called. You may know what it's called, but it's where you wait for exactly three minutes oh. after you, the babies come out and then you stand and push the placenta out. Have oh. you
1: heard of this before? No, I haven't heard of the waiting three minutes and then standing and pushing. No, that's yeah. What? I'd love to hear a little bit more about that though.
0: Yeah. So it's, I can't remember who the lady who came up with this idea, but, um, I, I believe she's a Jewish lady. Like she, um, her origin is Israel. She lives in Israel and there was this, um, it's, it's called the something protocol. I'll, I'll message it to you after our conversation so you can stick it in the show notes in case someone wants to read about it afterwards. But basically, her theory was that for home birth, um, leaving the placenta in too long can leave women more vulnerable to things like hemorrhaging. Um, and to avoid that, um, while your body is still kind of in the labor contraction mode, Um, If you push with a contraction shortly after the baby is born, it's there's it's it's more likely that the um, placenta will just kind of like peel off whole intact um, with um, like basically minimal effort from. The mother and I was kind of afraid of like I've heard stories of women where their placenta won't come out like they they wait twenty minutes and their then their placenta won't come out and then they had to have they have to like get a whole arm put up them and have it like torn out and stuff and I was just like uh -uh, that is not for me I'm happy to stand up three minutes after the baby comes out and just push them out push it out that's what we did I was still in
1: midwife sorry was your midwife um, doing anything, managing this in any way, or was it still just you, you were leading it? You were the one just,
0: Oh no, I wasn't leading it all. Cause I was totally out of it. So she, we agreed before I went into labor that as soon as the baby was born, she would, she would put a timer on for three minutes. And then she would, she got real close to my face and was like, okay, we need to get the placenta out. It's been three minutes. And I said, okay. So I just stood up in the pool with my baby in my hand and we counted to three and then I pushed and it was kind of like a really mild contraction mm-hmm. that happened as I was pushing down and the placenta just slid right out. My midwife caught it in a pot. <laughs>
1: okay. So she wasn't like pulling on the cord or anything. She she was still she she gave on. a
0: little slight tug. Gotcha. A, just a very gentle tug, like Kind of just to let me know where was to push, right? You know, so
1: interesting. Yeah, I'm I'm really curious about this protocol. I'll definitely I will definitely put it in the show notes. Mm -hmm.
0: So um, after that, I was like, "Gosh, am I done? Is that (laughs) it? Like, I've been in labor labor for seven hours. What in the heck is happening? Like, I have my baby in my arms. Like, I just couldn't believe it." Mm -hmm. Um, So then we moved over to the couch. My midwife checked me. I didn't need a single stitch. So praise God for that. I was so happy when she, when she told me I didn't need a single stitch. I was just like, how have I been blessed with this birth? I feel so, I just feel so lucky. Um, And my baby was seven pounds, six ounces. And um, she told me afterwards as well that my baby came out with a nuchal hand
1: oh really
0: yeah so that's that's why I think I wasn't able to move when I was in labor and I was having like back issues and it was really funny like when he came out he he often kept that hand up to his cheek Mm -hmm. for like a couple days after he was born I guess that's just how he was maybe in Mm -hmm. the womb and he was used to it being there so we have a couple pictures of him sleeping with his hand on his cheek it's so adorable well, that's um, amazing, and that, that,
1: especially with that information, knowing, you know, knowing that and the fact that you didn't tear with a nuchal hand. I know, around. I know. And
0: so I just want every mom out there and like potential mom, like soon to be mom to know that, um, you know, tearing is not something that is going to necessarily happen to you. Some women, you know, it, it happens and you will be fine. But I think I think we hear about it happening a lot. And we just assume that it's going to happen no matter what. Um, and I hope my story can just be reassuring to you that you don't know what's going to happen. And maybe if you prepare with the epineau, um, and you take precautions and that kind of stuff, like you also won't tear, you know, it's not, it's not guaranteed that you're going to tear even with a nougal hand. Cause I didn't.
1: Right? right. <laughs> yeah. That's, that is very, I know that's gotta be pretty uplifting for moms to hear because, it's true. I, I do feel like that is a constant concern. And I do always try to remind people, you know, the perineum was meant to stretch. It was built yes. to stretch. It was yes. also built to heal. So when it does happen, you know, that's, we can deal with that too, but by no means are you certainly going to tear. And your story is a great example of that, even with, you know, kind of intense, you know, an, an additional diameter with a hand.
0: Exactly. Um, and, and something else that really helped me um, that I forgot to mention uh, with regard to um, like think, thinking about tearing, um, during labor, I was still scared that it was going to happen because I could feel my flesh stretching, right? And that's a scary feeling. But leading up to um, labor, I listened to a lot of NMA's, uh inMA Gaskins lectures. Um, talking about like how birth is natural and about um, how how animals birth and um, she told a story in one of her lectures about how this woman would use a mantra she would say I'm gonna get huge
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> um, and that really helped me you know that really really helped me like knowing these things and being like you know I, I, my body was designed to do this, just like all female bodies are designed to do this. And um, it's going to be okay. I'm going to get huge. It's going to be all right. And I think for anyone who really has like a fixation on being afraid of tearing, which I think is totally natural to look into Inna Mae Gaskin's lectures and her writing, because I've, I found it incredibly calming and uplifting
1: to read. That's wonderful. Well, Robin, as we as we wrap up, I'd love to hear, you know, your your kind of final thoughts on your home birth journey and and honestly how that has impacted your postpartum and your motherhood overall.
0: Well, um I think I think so for me I'm biased obviously. I think home birth is the best. Mm-hmm. It's it's like for me it was like my Everest that I knew in my heart that I wanted to climb and that I could climb and um For anyone who's out there who's considering home birth, I hope that my story can be something that is encouraging to you so that you can know that you can do this if it's something that you feel in your heart you want and that it's right for you, but it's not right for everyone. And I don't, I don't want to set up home birth as this thing that like, if you don't get to have a home birth, there's something wrong with your birth because it isn't right for everyone. And I knew it was right for me without even really having to think about it. It just, as soon as I knew it was a thing, I was like, that is for me. And I think a lot of women who choose home birth um, feel that way about it right from the beginning. Don't feel like, you know, because someone else had a home birth, if you end up birthing in a hospital, that makes your birth any less in any way, right? We, we we all birth in different ways. And I'm extremely grateful that if I had had to transfer to the hospital, I would have had that option, right? Mm-hmm. I would have had no shame about it. I would have been disappointed, but I would have had no shame whatsoever about it. Um, I also hope that um, for any women out there who are on their first baby, who feel like, You know, oh, well, I want to have my first baby in the hospital just in case, and then maybe I'll do it on my second. Like, that's a valid option to choose. And um, if you feel like that's what's right for you, go for it. But also, you don't need to have a trial run birth. necessarily if you feel like home birth is right for you you can do it on your first kid I did it on my first kid and lots of women do it on their first kids and they're very grateful for that because I'm sure many of us especially in the home birth community are familiar with the horror stories that Mm -hmm. come out of the hospitals you know um people having episiotomies when it's not necessary, people being dragged in for unnecessary C-sections, people getting poked and prodded and bothered and, you know, strapped. Basically, you're not allowed to leave your bed and all these horrible things that end up causing women trauma. Um, You don't need to subject yourself to that. You don't need to have a traumatic birth first to allow yourself to have a healing birth (laughs) that's a home birth. You can just go for the home birth. That's like empowering and liberating and just like the most life-giving thing in the whole world. Um, if you feel like it's right for you. So, um, for me, the home birth, the home birth that I had, I've never been more proud of anything I've ever done in my entire life. And it made my postpartum that much easier because I had no birth trauma. I had no physical trauma. I felt like, um, like I had no pain or anything like two weeks after giving birth, you know, like I was still kind of loose down there and I was kind of uh, wobbly a little bit. And, you know, I had all of the postpartum, like, um, like big belly and, you know, the struggles with um, getting, getting used to breastfeeding and that kind of stuff. But I think just because I had this amazing experience with my labor and I got exactly what I wanted, it just made it put everything into perspective for me. Like whatever struggle I had to deal with after labor, it was like, who, who cares? Like I've been so blessed to have had this birth. So um I can't really allow myself to despair too much. The one thing that I did struggle with in postpartum, though, that I will mention just um briefly, because I think it's something that doesn't get as much attention as it probably should, um, is postpartum anxiety. Mm -hmm. Um, so I didn't have depression whatsoever because I was just so high and happy with myself. Like I was like on cloud nine about being able to have the birth that I had, but I did have postpartum anxiety and I still have it to a very, uh, lesser degree, meaning, you know feeling like i had to check my baby's breathing every 2 to 5 minutes mm-hmm. um feel like having these like thoughts where like there was a couple weeks after i gave uh, birth where my husband went out to chop wood for our wood oven. And he got a phone call while he was out there. So he was talking on the phone out in the back garden. And I was like, he's taken a really long time. Like he normally is back in by now. And I started imagining that he had cut into an artery of his leg and that he was like bleeding out in the backyard. Like just horrific, morbid thoughts right. about my husband dying, about my baby dying, about being left as a single mom and having to do it all by myself. And my baby dying and having to deal with these, like, like the aftermath of that. And like, it's all, it it was all just in my head. And it was based, I think, primarily just on hormones regulating and stuff. But my uh, midwife was amazing. She offered incredible postpartum care. She was, she's a lactation consultant. So I had that, which made my breastfeeding journey way more easy than if I hadn't had her. Mm -hmm. Um, The day after I gave birth, the world went into lockdown. So my my family couldn't come visit me. Um, I had no family and no friends for my entire postpartum. So my midwife came once a week uh, for six weeks. And in the first two weeks, she came every single day.
1: Oh, wow. Which was,
0: yeah, exactly. Exactly. I would not have survived without her. And like late people from our church sent food, like beautiful soups and um like dinners and stuff with her so mm-hmm. I got care but um and especially for women who are like you know in the covid-19 lockdown situation right now mm-hmm. um I would just like to say do what you need to do to make sure that you have the support that you need because without that support I think that my postpartum would have been 10 million times harder and I only had one woman I had one solid woman who she really, she, she knew what I needed, you know, as a mom herself and as a very experienced midwife, she wasn't going to just abandon me to deal with my postpartum, my, my fourth trimester, um, alone. And all I needed was that one person to make sure that I had someone to talk to and someone who was supporting me, um, constantly throughout the process. She even, um, turned my placenta into capsules for me so that I could take it as a remedy. Um, I wish every every woman could have my midwife as a midwife. Oh, because she, she's amazing. There's nothing that this woman couldn't do. And um I I hope that I get to have her as a midwife again um, for my next child because she is just she's just the best. She really she really made me see what women are missing out on when You know, they're sent home after day three from the hospital with no support, no lactation consultant, no therapy, no like massage, like nothing, you know? And I just, I can't imagine that. So I'm very grateful that I had that for my postpartum.
1: Wow. Well, I am so grateful for your entire journey and the way that this all played out. It's such a beautiful example of what home birth can be and what care can be. And obviously it's not always like this, but such a beautiful example. And, and it's what I wish for every single mother. So Robin, thank you so much for sharing and for coming on the happy home birth podcast. It was such a joy to have you. Thank you so much for having me. And if anyone is interested to
0: hear more about my motherhood journey, um, I have a channel on YouTube with another mom who recently gave birth. It's called motherland. You just type motherland into the YouTube search bar and we discuss everything about our experiences. Um, you know, leading up to birth and now having babies ourselves. So if you want to follow along my journey, there's that,
1: or you can follow me on Instagram at uh, real Robin Riley. Awesome, we will put that in the show notes as well so people can access it easily. Thank you so much, Robin. Thank you, Caitlin. Okay, how encouraging was that podcast episode? I'm so grateful that Robin was able to come on and share her story. And as we jump into this week's episode roundup, I have a few points that really stuck out to me as we were going through this interview. And the first one is really what Robin mentioned towards the very end, and that is that you do not have to have the traumatic hospital birth to get your healing home birth you can bypass that if you would like. And as she mentioned, of course, home birth is not for everyone. It's not something that every single person wants. And of course it is beneficial for low risk mothers. Luckily that is most of us. But if you are considering home birth, but you think, I should just do it at the hospital for the sake of it for the first time, I really encourage you to just think about that think about why you're feeling that way where it's coming from and if it's a if it's real that that's the way that your story needs to be or perhaps maybe you could speak with a midwife and see what those options are so such a great point made by Robin and then the second thing that i wanted to draw attention to was the fact that Robin had such an amazing connection and relationship with her midwife. And I know that this isn't always possible. I mean, it could have just as easily been that the midwife in her town wasn't someone that she jived with and she would have to at that point decide, okay, is this the right person for me? Or do I need to find a care provider at a hospital? That would have been really frustrating, I'm sure. But isn't it amazing when a plan comes together? I just love hearing that she found someone who connected with her on that emotional and on the spiritual plane. And, and I think that that deserves discussion and consideration. You know, are you feeling connected to this care provider? Um, such an amazing thing and when that happens and that care provider is able to give you such individualized attention. Of course, midwives are good at this, whether you agree on every aspect of life or not. But it's so beautiful when it does get to be that kind of intimate relationship that Robin was able to experience. And holy moly, can we just talk about the depth of care that comes with many midwives? The fact that this midwife took care of her during the hit, the onset of the COVID crisis where no one's coming and going. Robin could have very easily felt so defeated and so alone in her postpartum experience, yet she had this woman cheering her on and really taking on that support. It's just a beautiful picture of, of what, you know, this type of care, this model of care can be. So shout out to Robin's midwife. Good job. I <laughs> love hearing that. All right, my friends. Well, that's all I've got for you for this week. What a beautiful episode. What an honor to have Robin on the show. I hope that you enjoyed it as much as I did, and I look forward to seeing you back here next week. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Are you looking to extend the home birth support, encouragement, and education? Join us in our Facebook group, Happy Home Birth Podcast Community, and check us out on Instagram at Happy Podcast.